Welcome, and thank you for coming to this candidates forum. We all appreciate the opportunity to, to become better prepared to participate in the midterm elections on November 6th. Tonight's event is sponsored by Astoria AAUW and the Daily Astorian in conjunction with KMUN, our community radio station, and of course, Astoria High School. We want to thank the candidates who agreed to participate in the forum this evening for coming during what must be a very busy time. My name is Liz Bartell. I'm the current president of Astoria AAUW. Our mission is to advance gender equity for women and girls through research, education, philanthropy, and advocacy. Restrooms are located to the left of the double doors, and the note cards that were handed out as you came through the lobby were provided so that you can write down questions for our candidates. If you have a card, write down a question, and be sure also to say which position the question is for, for example, county commissioner or governor. When you're finished, pass your card down to the end of the row you're sitting in. Our note card collectors will pick up your cards and your questions will be passed along to the moderator to be answered as time allows. One final thing before we begin. As many of you know, there is a mayoral deba debate scheduled at Clatsop Community College on October 10th at 7 p.m. Chris Breitmeyer asked us to announce this evening that the location of the debate has changed from Columbia Hall to Patriot Hall so that more people can come. Again, that's October 10th at 7 p.m. at Patriot Hall. Trish Garner, longtime AAUW member and current AAUW state public policy chairperson is going to facilitate our process this evening. Trish, thank you so much for taking on this role. As always, it's my pleasure. It's great to see you. Uh, just another set of introductions here. Our panel moderators are here, are Pam Allegria, Liz Bartell, and Rosalie McCleary. And Cindy Mudge, is she, there she is. She's gonna be our timekeeper, thanks. Uh, we had the honor to hear from several candidates this evening. Uh, due to the total number, um, about 15, uh, we're tight for time. So we'll conclude the forum at or before 9.30. I'd also ask if, uh, you know, I want to think of a creative way of saying this, but it never comes to me. You know, the cell phone thing? So, you know, if you take a look at your cell phones and either put them on to silent or uh, turn them off, uh, that would be most appreciated. And if you have a creative way in the break, let me know of saying that. Uh, also, I just wanted to mention AUW is a nonpartisan organization, and invitations were sent out to all the candidates in each race uh, running for office. Uh, we'll have two panels of candidates. Uh, the first panel will last approximately 45 minutes. It will include Patrick Starnes, a candidate for Oregon governor. Uh, the candidates for Oregon House District 32, I believe we have Brian Halverson and Tiffany Mitchell. Uh, let's see, then we have candidates for county commission, Peter Roscoe and Pam Webb. Another note here, uh, Pam Webb is a member of AUW but as we are nonpartisan, we do not take a position on her candidacy. The second round, um, after a 10 minute break, um, will go approximately an hour and 15 minutes plus for Mayor Bruce Jones, Michael Sasha Miller, and Dulcie Taylor, Mayor of Warrington, Henry, oh boy, how, how do I say it? Balencifer, Balencifer, all right. If he's here, please accept my apologies. <laughs> uh, Astoria Council Ward 1, David Drafel and Roger Roca. Astoria City Council Ward 3, Joan Herman and Ronald Zilly. So 
To the speakers, we'd appreciate it if you would identify yourself at the beginning of each statement so that uh, those listening by podcast or radio um, will be able to know who's speaking because they obviously won't be seeing you. Um, the forum is indeed being taped this evening by KMUN and will be available as a podcast uh, that's available at coastradio.org. Each candidate will have two minutes to introduce and speak to reasons as to why they should be elected. Um, the one minute time frame will be for answering the questions and the questions will be coming from here and you've already heard the uh, instructions as to how you can provide some questions. Uh, our timekeeper will let the speakers know um, when 30 seconds is left, she will raise the yellow card. When time is completed, she will raise the red card. Stop. Uh, all right, let's, let's uh, say last but not least, uh, make sure and vote. But why don't we start with opening statements? Use this or come up there? Oh, you can use that. Hello, my, whoa. my name is Patrick Starnes. I'm the independent candidate. And are we doing opening and then I'm taking questions? Yeah, two minutes, and then we're just going to go down the line and okay. have uh, each candidate you know, talk opening. for two minutes, and then we'll get some questions, and we'll just okay. you know, go on down the line. Or we uh, may mix it up a little bit. Yeah. But in, in, uh, I'm gonna, us independents like to break the rules a lot. And in the sake of time, I'm going to give you a one-minute bio, because I hope, uh, David, if you could hand these out. Um, so I'm Patrick Starnes. I grew up near Roseburg. The joke on the campaign is that Newt Bueller's a big city kid from Roseburg because I lived outside in Looking Glass, which is just a crossroads in the Umpqua. So I grew up in the Umpqua. I went to UCC, and then I graduated from U of O. But before I went to college, I went to, uh, to Michigan to learn cabinet making, furniture making. But that's all on the bio. I want to keep it really short so that we can get all your questions. And uh, I just wanted to make this one point about my long drive here, and um, who's not here? I hope you noticed that. Thank you. Hi there, my name is Brian Halverson, candidate for House District 32. I'm an independent. A uh, little bit about myself, I've served on the Rockaway Beach Planning Commission uh, since April of 2018. I was reappointed in June uh, to serve a term ending in 2021. Uh, I have strong connections to the North Coast. My mother's family homesteaded in the Nehalem Valley in the 1870s, and we still have the farm in our property, or uh, in our family, luckily. Uh, and on my father's side, uh, his great-grandfather escaped indentured servitude around the t uh, turn of the 20th century when the Norwegian ship he was docked on uh, was here in Astoria, and he fled for his freedom. So, uh, but regardless of your family's background, whether you're a fourth-generation Oregonian like myself, or whether you're brand new to the state, I want to work on your behalf to increase access to health care, improve public schools, make housing more affordable, and improve the overall quality of everyone's life. There are two major planks to my platform. Income inequality is out of control. The rich are getting richer while working Oregonians' wages have been stagnant for over four decades, with the exception of recent gains thanks to the minimum wage increase. Uh, I support raising taxes on the wealthiest Oregonians to help pay for public services like education and health care. We also need to increase taxes on corporations who have the lowest business tax burden here in Oregon. We could do that by repealing sweetheart tax deals. According to the Oregon Center for Public Policy, there are over 350 uh, tax loopholes on the books. Not all of those are for large corporations and the wealthy, but many of them are. And uh, second, our state is in desperate need of campaign finance reform. We are one of just seven states in the nation that have no limits on spending in statewide elections. Uh, I'm running to change that. I'm not taking any corporate money. I'm not taking any super PAC money. I'm funding this by individuals with small dollar donations, and I hope you'll support me. Uh, there's a lot more to my platform. If you go to brianfororegonhouse.com, you can read more. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. My name is Tiffany Mitchell, and I'm running to be your next state representative for House District 32. And when I think about how lucky my husband and I were to be able to move here and call this place home, I realized that I wasn't always this lucky. 
I was raised by a single mother, and my sister and I were raised with the idea that you have to work hard for everything that you have. But even with scholarships, I still had to take out massive student loans to make sure that I could go to school. I've had to pay more than half of my income on rent before, and I've had to make really tough decisions to make ends meet for myself at the end of every month. And Unfortunately, that just is the reality for so many Oregonians, and it breaks my heart as a working person who knows and has been there before to see that same kind of thing happening to so many of us out here on the North Coast. Um, I want to make sure that the people who are working two and three jobs without reprieve have an answer, and that is why I am running for House District 32. Um, because as, through my career as a social services worker, I see every day the impact of our inaction on the folks who live in our area, especially kids, struggling families, and seniors who are living on a fixed income. I want to go to Salem to make sure that I fight for the things that matter to our community, like making sure that we have affordable housing, health care that you can actually go to a doctor for, um, and, and not break the bank and making sure as well um, that we have education that all of our kids have access to. So, thank you so much. Sorry. Is that working? Yeah. Hi, my name is Peter Roscoe. I'm running for Classic County Commissioner District 3. In 2005, when I first attended one of these forums, I was running for Astoria City Council and was asked about my vision for the future. I hope to have a busy port, a bustling waterfront, and a vibrant downtown business core. Since then, I've been part of many teams that have helped that vision come to fruition. Now I'm being asked about the future of our county. Our podium time, at this meeting really doesn't allow me to draw a complete vision for the future, so I've arranged a series of my own forums to explore the important legs of our local economy. I held one last Sunday at the Natal Grange about farming and forest industry. I have scheduled another one on October 14th at the PAC to discuss the importance of arts, events, and museums. And I have a final one on October 22nd at the Baked Alaska Annex that's going to give an overview of our hospitality and restaurant industry throughout the county. Additionally, on the 19th of October, Pamela Webb and I have agreed to have a debate at the flag room of the Astoria Library. I hope you all attend these meetings. If they mirror last Sunday's meeting, they will be interesting and full of information and perspective that should act as a solid base for decision-making in our collective future. Clatsop County is an important cog in Oregon's overall scheme. We're doing well, but with leadership that truly understands our relationships with each other, our neighboring cities and counties, and in the entire region, we can move into an even more productive future. Thank you. I hope you vote for me. Emily, here you go. Hi, my name is Pam Webb. Um, I have decades of service in planning and economic development, uh, working mostly for small governments, uh, but a few big ones too, as well as the White House. Uh, I, uh, I've also worked with private development clients and landowners. I've been in Oregon for 30 years. Uh, I'm a single mother with two fantastic children and a brand new grandson. Um, I would like to address uh, the, the issues facing the county commission kind of the same way that I've done most of my public service and my parenting. I like to listen. I like to, um, to listen to, the, to many different voices. Uh, I like to listen. I like to value that messenger. Uh, and I would, most of all, like to learn from listening. Um, I'd like to bring a different atmosphere to the County Commission. Uh, I'd like to hold annual strategic planning sessions by the Commission 
which lays out a framework for what the priorities are for the county in the coming year and send the staff on their way uh, to implement that strategy. I'd like to see much more public input into the decisions that county government makes. Uh, I'd like to see the commissioners have more work sessions, uh, more time to actually deliberate uh, and discuss. Uh, and I'd like to see more community conversations uh, about a lot of issues that we talk about, but then always seem to leave some of the issues out. I call these the little, uh, the little elephants in the room. Uh, and lastly, I'd like to bring an element of civility uh, to the commission. Um, I'd like to have civility. That's one of my big things. Thank you. Thank um, you. We have had another uh, panelist join us. Uh, it's Mr. John Verbeek running for the U.S. House, and I'm going to give him an opportunity to give a two-minute introduction on why he should be in the office he's seeking. Thank you. My name is John Verbeek. Uh, I'm the congressional candidate for District 1 from Clatsop to uh, Multnomah County, uh, Yamhill, that big triangle. I'm an immigrant from the Netherlands, old Amsterdam, not new Amsterdam. And uh, I married an Oregon girl, and uh, when, we, when I became a citizen, there were no choices on the ballot, only one choice where I live in Northwest Portland, all Democrat candidates. And so I started to run. It's important that people have a choice. And in an American, America to me is associated with freedom. And uh, in a Soviet Republic, uh, I, the threat of Soviet domination, that's under that threat where I grew up, there you don't have freedom. Separation of powers, but no freedom to the people. So my main issue is constitutional rights. I think it's a very beautiful right that we have, and I will not take any of those rights away from the American people. The second item is transportation infrastructure. Uh, the incumbent and I agree we need to make investment in transportation infrastructure, but I also want to build roads, not all federal dollars towards light rail or bike lanes. And the last thing is uh, good health. What does our healthcare system have to do with good health? It's not only medication and money and for our government to tax and provide. We need uh, people who are addicted and homeless people, we need to help them to reintegrate in society not to create whole villages of homeless people among each other. It's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. That if you want to get healed, you have to get better. And uh, integrate in society relationship. There should be room for faith-based organizations with government-provided health care. And so those three issues are my main issue, and uh, my time is up. Thank you. All right, um, I'm gonna assert some executive privilege here. The next question I'm gonna ask, and I'm gonna start with Pam Webb and move this way. Um, I'm gonna say instead of a one minute uh, response time, we do a one and one half minute time so that our timekeeper, you can't hear me? Not very well. There's a really bad echo in the back that's How about this? This better? Okay. Uh, one and I tell you what, why don't we start this way with uh, <laughs> with Miss, with Mr. Starnes again, and I will verbally give the instructions down the table. One and a half minute uh, responses. What are your thoughts on the problem of homelessness that's affecting businesses, residents, and tourists? I'm. First, before I answer the question, I've, I've been a bad guest, and I forgot to thank the, the school for hosting this, and also the Association of Really Smart Women. I really appreciate you all um, hosting this. And then, most importantly, all of you for taking time out of your own lives and driving home in the dark. But I'm the only candidate for governor who just a couple weeks ago uh, camped outside with the homeless in Eugene. Um, and it, it was a Sunday night and a Monday night, and it was really rough, and I learned a lot, especially after dark, it's a lot bigger problem than you think. That was my big take home. 
And then Monday, they had the Eugene City Council meeting, and myself and some other homeless folks went and, and advocated for some minimum things, right? More trash cans and more porta potties, at the least. I mean, there's a lot of work to do. And that's the rest of my answer. I'm also the only candidate who's designated a specific Oregon shelter fund that would be earmarked only to help us build more shelters, which I'm like Jimmy Carter, I can't wait to get my hammer out and, and work side by side with you and build some uh, home, homeless structures. Um, and also, uh, there are other homeless services that this, this fund could help. There are ideas to take vacant commercial properties, like in Roseburg, there's an old Safeway that's been vacant for over 10 years. And you could provide um, a dollar showers, a dollar storage, and, and, and oh, stop. Okay. Thank you. Was that a whole minute and a half? We ready? All right. One and a half minutes. Homelessness. H homelessness, uh, yeah, that's not a, an end. It's just, uh, homelessness uh, is a temporary situation. To provide shelter is only part of the solution. And it's a beautiful thing to be merciful to people who need help. But it, we should also encourage uh, that they come out of it. And so a relationship, either through a faith-based organization or a, an other organization, that they get back into society. Uh, you, you overcome the shame or the guilt or at a misfortune that you encounter. Uh, it's, uh, we should measure homelessness not as a, as a problem, but one homeless person at a time and uh, if he wants help or she wants help then we should try to help him and what's the best way just providing shelter is not enough brian halverson oregon house district brian halverson oregon house district uh, 32 independent candidate um, on a personal level i'd just like to say um, you know when we look at uh, the issue of homelessness a lot of times we forget how personal it is and um, people are going to be in trouble in the next coming months it's getting colder outside and there are people living in tents um, and living with no uh, homes living in their cars and we need to do something about it so on an individual level if you can do anything to help help your local shelters uh, volunteer your time uh, that would be great but a public policy perspective it, it's much bigger than that and what I support is a public housing program. Um, I don't think that public-private cooper uh, cooperatives do enough to house people. And if we actually had a public effort, a publicly funded effort to house people, particularly looking at using, as Patrick said, vacant properties uh, to uh, put people in temporary shelters, look at uh, making apartment complexes, uh, taking vacant homes. For example, I serve on the Rockaway Beach Planning Commission and we have 800 occupied homes in our town, but 4,000 homes. So it's not like there aren't homes out there. Uh, it's not like we need to build new homes. It's not like we need to give handouts to real estate developers to build those homes. We have the ability to. It's just the political will and uh, finding the money. And, and that, I would say, we need to increase taxes on corporations, uh, increase taxes on the wealthiest individuals to pay for public services for housing people. Thank you. Tiffany Mitchell, House District 32, State Representative. Um, so for me, homelessness is actually a multi-pronged issue with a lot of causes um, underlying it that, that cause it to be such a huge problem coming from housing affordability all the way to other issues such as living wage jobs and substance abuse and mental health. And for me, substance abuse and mental health are a huge contributing factor in many respects. And that's one of the big issues that my campaign seeks to tackle and really thinks that we need to focus on because we lag behind the rest of the state, uh, the rest of the states in this country in funding those issues. Um, and so for me, I think making sure one of the biggest ways that we can attack the problem is first and foremost by making sure that we expand accessibility to substance abuse and mental health uh, rehabilitation at services, making sure that we're working with existing partners um, in our community, and really for me as a state representative, working to make sure that we are getting 
the money that we need funneled into our communities to really help pay for those. Um, we actually have someone in the audience tonight who runs an organization called River Folk, which also works to help um, homeless individuals get birth certificates and IDs um, so that they can overcome that initial barrier into getting a job and getting themselves out of those problems. Um, I want to call attention to that organization because it's amazing and making sure on a state level that we get resources to help organizations like that is really key to helping solve the problem. Peter Roscoe, Clatsop County Commission, District 3. Uh, you know, I, I guess in many ways I was homeless for years in the, in the 1970s. I didn't really have a home. I mean, I could always come home to my parents, but I didn't have an address. I just hitchhiked around and wrote poetry. I was a hippie. Uh, things have changed, but I won't tell you about the current poetry. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for the homeless people, but they're all unique individuals. You can't just lump them together and call them homeless. They're people. And some of them I have more sympathy than others. I've been in recovery, I've been in recovery for 35 and a half years. And, uh, you know, people that make a choice to stay out there, you can think you can fund rehab for substance abuse, but until they want it, there's, it's very hard to do. It's called tough love. I do a lot of work with helping hands. In fact, October 28th, we're having a, I'm helping to cook a dinner in open house at Helping Hands. And Scott and Mary do a fantastic thing with River Folk. So people that need a hand up, we gotta give them a hand. Pam Webb, Clatsop County Commission District 3. Um, I am very pleased that one of the initiatives that uh, Clatsop County has taken in the last year uh, is in conjunction with all five cities. Uh, the city is funding a, a study on basically the market for housing and the forces that, that shape it. Uh, the first uh, tranche of that study has been released uh, and it says some very interesting things. Uh, uh, it, it points out that land use throughout the, the county, um, uh, existing buildable land, exists to meet our housing needs. Uh, I think that's a pretty startling uh, revelation, and I think the county is in a particularly good position. Uh, after bringing the cities and rural areas together to address some of those issues, I think homelessness is very closely related to affordable housing and, and habitation in general. And I think that working with the cities and collaboratively together, uh, the next phase of this project is best practices. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what other communities are doing about the homelessness and affordable housing issue. Thank you. Yeah, is this mic working? Okay, can you all hear? Okay, um, the uh, folks on uh, to my left, uh, your right, have really had a challenge hearing the questions. So I'm going to kind of move back and forth. I hope it won't be distracting to you. For this question, I'm going to start with Mr. Halverson, move on down uh, to Pam Webb, and then um, why don't you start first the next time and uh, Mr. Starnes ending, although you may have to generalize your response a bit. As a legislator or a, uh, from all levels uh, or a government uh, individual, you have to make choices. And among the bond issues in the November ballot, uh, there's a new county jail uh, and public school remodeling in Warrington and Astoria. Um, what are your priorities? How do you choose? Well, um, talking about homelessness, I find it very tough to support building a new jail when we don't have, oh, Brian Halverson, Oregon House District 32. I read your mind. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I find it very tough. I understand that there, um, 
is a uh, some need for it, but uh, I don't think our incarceration's the uh, solution. Uh, if you see now the way they're moving, uh, trying to clear homeless camps out um, with nowhere to go, what are we going to do? Uh, are we just going to put these people in jail? That's not the solution, folks. So we need to prioritize, and we need to start with housing people first, providing them addiction treatment, uh, helping them get jobs, uh, get off the street, and uh, to uh, not to uh, criminalize homelessness and to put them in jail. Uh, absolutely yes on the school bond, though. Tiffany Mitchell, House District 32. Um, so this is a really interesting choice and a choice that I don't think that we have to make because I think that we actually can say that we support both. To piggyback on what Mr. Halverson was saying, incarceration um, for people who are mentally ill and who want to get better um, and for people who frankly have the ability to get better um, with belief and, and, and coaching to try to help people to reduce recidivism is certainly doable. But I think a lot of why they want a new jail in our county is actually to make it safer, um, not only for the inmates, but for the guards, um, because it is so small, and to increase capacity so that we can actually try to help people um, instead of just sending them back out onto the streets um, where they can't get the help that they need. Um, and frankly, I think that, you know, while I think my heart probably is more towards making sure that we we really build schools that are safer and better for our kids so that they get the education that they need in a, in a great environment. Um, I honestly don't think that this is an issue where we have to play favorites and that we can support both and find a way for the community to embrace both as a means of making our communities better in the long haul and making sure that everybody gets the attention that they deserve. So. Peter Roscoe. Clatsop County Commission. Uh, I've toured the jail. I've brought, I've been not incarcerated, but I've been in the jail a few times talking to the inmates, encouraging them to a life of sobriety. I've just recently toured the middle school, for instance, and the high school. So I understand all the issues that those facilities have too, and the need for both of those bonds to pass. Uh, it will cost me as a homeowner, I own a modest home, and it's gonna cost me, but I, I support them. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the kind of hidden possible benefits on the jail bond should the jail move to the former youth authority site, the current jail could be transformed into a facility for mental health and possibly even homeless. So I think that's a huge upside. And the 1% uh, room tax that was enacted is also an upside, but we'll talk about that at one of the forums. Pam Webb, uh, Clatsop Commissioner, District 3. I support um, both funding education, knowing that for every dollar we spend related to any part of education, ultimately within a 50-year period, we get that dollar back a thousandfold. Um, so, and I think both uh, of the bond measures that I've seen, uh, the only district the only school district that's in District 3 is the Astoria Public Schools. But uh, it's a very solid measure. Uh, they've put a lot of work into it and a lot of public into it. Um, the jail, however, which I do support, uh, I too have toured the jail, and it, it's not only a terrible place for an inmate, but it's a really terrible place for our deputies. And I think that when we ask people to put their life on the line in their job every day, we des they deserve uh, to have the protection that a new facility would give them. I'm very sorry, however, that the county did, I think, a rather poor job of selling the jail bond. Uh, I have, uh, there was no public input to the design of the jail. Uh, the bond proposal was brought forward to the commissioners. 
uh, with very little previous discussion, and one night they posted up uh, the architecture and said to the commissioners, please support this. Uh, and I think that was a mistake. But I'll, I will vote for the jail bond. Say who you are. My name is John Fubeek. Um, I think the role of government, the primary role of the federal government, uh, what I'm running for, is to keep the country safe. Strong military, very important. And that also counts for the local level. I think it's important to be tough on crime. But what I find beautiful in the American penitentiary, it's a penitentiary system. There's a room for mercy. That's different than in a Soviet system or in a, in a totalitarian state. So I, I, what I love about America is, is that we have a former homeless person now running for office. So that's beautiful in this country. And so if you do a, a have a jail, if that's necessary, then hopefully we'll have many more people like him coming out of it. But we do need public safety and, and jails are part of that. Hi, I'm Patrick Starnes. I'm an independent running for governor. I'm also the only candidate who's been on a school board. And I, I know there's some other school board members out in the audience. I met, yeah. So, and I'm sorry for, for our young uh, aspiring state reps, but I, I feel strongly that it should be a prerequisite to be in Salem. You should have served on a school board. You should have volunteered because you have to balance your budget every year and you have to hire and fire teachers and hopefully not that you have to close a small school out in a rural area. But the, the big thing I wanted to let you know about school bond levies across the state, it's a new thing, that they now match dollar for dollar your school bond money to build or remodel schools. And there's another a match on earthquake and tsunami money that matches. So when you vote for this, keep that in mind that your dollar that you're proposing for your levy is going to ma be matched by Salem. So that's really important for, for folks that haven't been on school boards to know that. All right, we'll see how we do with this challenge. Uh, Mr. Starnes, we're going to be starting with you. This is the question about revenue. What do we do about revenue? It seems to me we all talk about problems. What are we going to do about uh, revenue? There are certainly issues that you will face, uh, both of you to my right, um, and if you have any suggestions as to what priorities you have in uh, resolving the revenue issue, I'd appreciate it. Um, and then we'll just continue on down. Uh, the expansion of the Clatsop Enterprise Zone clearly, I guess, includes most of Columbia Waterfront and parts of Young's Bay. But it also appears that there are uh, three to five year tax breaks that are proposed. Again, when you're dealing with revenue, is that an appropriate way to raise money? Um, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start here. Okay. And I wonder too, um, we, uh, Mr. Verbeek would, you, Verbeek, would you address the issue of revenue in, in face of the PERS problem? Um. As a history major, I have studied taxes and tax reform across our history. And uh, what I've learned is that most of the tax anger that you, you experience in any community or in the federal government is based around the general fund. And so what's important to my philosophy, what's important to do is to have specific revenue that's related to the service. And Oregon was a pioneer in, in 1918 because we were the first to have a gas tax. And you can imagine that Standard Oil was not very happy uh, with, with that proposal. But look now, 100 years later, it's just the way it is. The more you drive, the more you pay for the roads. So that kind of relationship is crucial for taxes in Oregon. Just like I was talking about the, the shelter fund should be related to uh, vacancies. Uh, we should have a vacancy fee on my wife and I restore old homes in Brownsville, and we've around the Eugene area, we've found 100 homes that are abandoned and vacant, and that's the kind we buy. And a lot, often they're owned by big money banks who've been sitting on, they call them zombies in some communities. I don't know if you have them here, 
but and it, it implies to uh, commercial. Um, it's not enough time to get into PERS and healthcare, but maybe next. Well, I'm a strong. Uh, I'm a strong uh, proponent for low taxes, uh, uh, reasonable regulations, and, and low tariffs. And so, uh, when everybody has room to uh, build houses and, and work, and the burdens are low, then that's, uh, we all pull the cart uh, that PERS is sitting in. Those benefits are very generous, PERS benefits. It's not only the salaries, but also the, the healthcare benefits. So we have had a strong economy since uh, with this administration. Stock market is up strongly, and that also helps with the funding of PERS. So um, as a federal candidate, uh, I'm not really into the, the PERS debate, but I do think uh, it's, uh, it's the elephant in the room. And uh, we all should do, there's so many PERS voters people that the benefits from PERS that, but think about the, 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 the you know, what sacrifice are you willing to make? Uh, because if you're not willing to make it, then you cannot expect a politician to make it for you. So uh, for, the, for the benefit of our, for our legacy, um, we have to do something about uh, the, the cost of our, our government in Oregon. So um, low taxation, low regulation and everybody working. That's my solution. Brian Halverson, Oregon House District 32, Independent Party candidate. Um, you know, when we talk about revenue, I think it's important to talk about who can afford to uh, pay more in taxes. And in Oregon, uh, corporations pay a low effective tax rate. I already identified uh, 350 uh, or the Oregon Center for Public Policy did, identified 350 separate uh, tax loopholes on the books. Um, not all of those are for rich and wealthy people. For example, uh, working people get an earned income tax credit, which is great. Tax credits for working people help put mo more money back into our economy. But when wealthy people make more money, they just save it. They just sit on it. So it's sitting there doing nothing. We should tax it. The top 90% in our nation hold as, or pardon me, the top 1% hold as much wealth as the bottom 90%. That is not a sustainable system to live under. The revenue's there, it's just a matter of the will. And I think that we need to increase taxes on corporations and wealthy individuals to pay for public services. Uh, it's not a novel concept in other countries. Uh, it's not a novel concept even in other states. So uh, that's how I would move for uh, pushing for more revenue. Thank you. Tiffany Mitchell, House District 32. Um, I too believe that when we are talking about raising revenue in this state, I don't know about you guys, but I pay quite a bit in taxes personally, and I think small businesses do as well. And I feel that if we are going to raise revenue in this state, it shouldn't be on the backs of working people. Um, it really needs to come from, frankly, the lopsided um, distribution we have right now in terms of where our our general money our general fund is getting its revenue um, and that is asking the huge corporations in this state who pay virtually nothing in taxes and take advantage of all the um, breaks that Mr. Halverson brought up um, actually start paying their fair share we're a community and all of our money pooled together helps pay for the services that we all need um, great education for our kids and hopefully better once we actually try to work towards making sure that we further fund the quality education model appropriately. Um, you know, services for people who are struggling. And it's just important that I think that the largest members of our community, those large corporations, also share in making sure that they are a part of the community that, that they frankly benefit from as well. I mean, that also includes, I think, not writing into the Constitution um, through one of the, the ballot measures on, on the ballot this year um, on, on that uh, taxation carve-out for companies like Kroger. So, Peter Roscoe, County Commission, District 3. Uh, to address your question about the Enterprise Zone, uh, there's a couple of things about that. Uh, businesses in the enterprise zone that are going to get a short-term tax break 
ultimately you're you're looking for a business that's got a long time sustainable presence in your community and that business once the tax breaks go away after their little grace period they're going to start paying taxes and if they're a good business they're going to have people working and working is is uh, as one friend of mine calls he says uh, economy is the great deodorant so you know the more you can get people producing things producing things is what creates a vibrant economy finding more ways to tax 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 your way out of a hole is not as great a solution as creating jobs that are driving productivity. That's a much better solution. Pam Webb, uh, Clatsop Commissioner, District 3. Uh, I'm, I'm a great supporter of Enterprise Zones. I once worked for the federal agency which originally administered that program. Uh, and I really do believe in them. I think they're a wonderful way to, to help businesses get established. Uh, often uh, businesses fail in the early years after their establishment, and I think five years is a really good term for that, for that uh, tax break because it gives a reasonable amount of time for the business to get on its feet. Uh, enterprise zones um, in urban, highly urbanized areas are sometimes controversial. Uh, but in general, I think they're a wonderful way to create jobs uh, and, and to encourage. They were originally designed for new businesses either locating or relocating in a, in a specific geographic area. Uh, I was recently uh, on a tour at, at um, Tongue Point, and I think extending the Enterprise Zone out there is a terrific idea because the businesses that are located out there are creating jobs very rapidly. Uh, and will someday be, be very successful tax-paying businesses. Thank you. All right, uh, the next round, and we'll start with Pam Webb and move uh, down the line here. Uh, one minute responses. And basically, what is your plan for emergency preparedness? How top a priority, or is it a priority for you? But basically, what's your plan? Pam Webb, uh, County Commissioner, District 3. I think that this is a very appropriate role for the county to be coordinating. Uh, we have some serious issues um, about emergency preparedness. We're highly vulnerable to natural disasters, as we all know. Uh, and I think that it's appropriate to look beyond municipal boundaries for a, a master plan for emergency preparedness. Uh, in District 3, for instance, we have a, um, a fire, both a fire and rescue district and also the water district in, this, in the southern part. Uh, they're both in floodplains. And it's questionable whether or not in, a, in an emergency those people could even get their equipment into service. Uh, so clearly we need to take a, a more regional approach uh, for preparedness, and I think it's something that, that the county could certainly provide better leadership for. Peter Roscoe, County Commission, District 3. Uh, there's no question that the county should take a lead in coordinating with the other communities within the county, and actually <clears throat> at a board that I'm on called CallPAC, we're discussing the entire region. Banks, for instance, may be one of the default go-to places, not necessarily from people on this end, because are you really going to get across the Quartz, Quartz Creek Bridge if it goes down? Uh, but I think the lead is to how to educate the individuals for the post-emergency resilience. How are you going to survive this? And I've worked a number of times with Patrick Cochran from OHSU, who's an expert on the tsunami and, and the emergency preparedness. Uh, the individuals need to be educated about how to take care of themselves afterwards, and that's the county's role, besides 
a number of other infrastructure type roles, but that's the primary one, I think. Thank you. <laughs> Tiffany Mitchell, House District 32. Um, I think this is an, a fantastic question because emergency preparedness is actually something that I think about quite often because my dad used to work for FEMA and I originally come from an area that was very seismically active too. So the idea of the big one um, hitting is something that I've had hammered in my head and, since I was five years old and the importance of preparedness. So on a state level, I think one of the most important things that I can do is continue the work of my hopeful predecessor, Deborah Boone, in really developing the Oregon Resiliency Plan and making sure that we funnel um, funding into our local areas around here into preparedness efforts and working with local community leaders um, like the county commissioners in making sure that that money gets appropriately spent on supplies, on locations for people to go after, um, after an event, and to really make sure that we have training and, and professionals who can be great first responders um, so that this area is truly ready to respond um, in, and, and survive in the event of a disaster. Brian Halverson, Oregon House District 32. Uh, as a Rockaway Beach Planning Commissioner, I actually have a little bit of experience uh, with this. We just passed uh, code updates to put us in compliance with a FEMA grant, so it's important that cities go after uh, money at the federal and state level to help them with resiliency programs, but it's also important that we make sure that we spend that money wisely. Uh, a personal story, I have a tsunami trail 10 feet from my house in Rockaway, and uh, it was built with prison labor. Uh, it was not well built. Uh, it only goes up about uh, 15 feet. Uh, so in the event of a disaster, it wouldn't serve much use. But if we actually had uh, better allocating of resources, if we actually had used uh, state employees or even a private contractor as opposed to incarcerated laborers, um, we probably would have a better trail. Uh, so I think it's important to uh, look at what we already have, make sure we can maintain that, and then continue on uh, further with planning. Uh, my name is John Verbeek for Congressional CD1. And uh, I'm glad that the question is asked. I was surprised nobody asked that question earlier because uh, it's a very important question. Of course, the state is prepared. We gave the governor the right to declare martial law and a FEMA knocks on your door, and here I am standing with my constitutional rights. So I have heard good things about Clatsop County, how they manage their forest, kind of an example for the rest of the state and for the federal government. And I challenge Clatsop County to do the same with emergency management. Get the schools involved, why can it not be a curriculum on an individual basis? The state is prepared, but are you in your household prepared? I have a from Beaverton, a, a booklet uh, about preparedness. That's a lot of work, uh, but uh, be prepared. And that's an individual responsibility. And I hope Clatsop County makes to its citizens more availability and more sense of urgency, because you're right here, right on the ocean. Um, my governor's office will do its best to get out of the way so the local authorities can come up with the best plan. But at the same time, we want to give you resources so you'll have all the right training. And I don't know if we're going to get into a transportation question, but I just came on 26. I don't know who your state senator and your, your congressperson is, but they have failed you there. And I've heard that US 30, my, my niece, I'm staying tonight with my niece in Cornelius Pass, and I've been told that 30 is better than 26. But my point is, that the state needs to serve you better. You pay a lot of gas tax, just like I was talking about before, and those two highways, along with 101, need to be improved if those are your main exit routes. Plus, you're gonna match um, with your bond levy for your earthquake and tsunami money, so I encourage you to vote for the bond levy, school bond levy. Starting with Mr. Starnes, uh, one minute closing statement. In my opening statement, I, I mentioned uh, my opponents aren't here. And I don't know if you saw the news today because we just had our reporting. Uh, the governor's race is, they've raised over $20 million in this governor's race. And I want you to think about where 
that money could be used in Oregon, right? All the vulnerable populations, all the failing systems. So as you may know, my main focus, my first 100 days, my promise to you is to get big money out of politics. Because if we do not get this kind of crazy money out of politics, we can't have these other reforms that, that we didn't get a chance to talk about. I'm the only candidate, independent candidate for governor who's limited my donations to $100 per person. Because I want your voice to, to be more important than Phil Knight and George Soros and other um, wealthy interests. Thanks. My name is John Verbeek for CD1. And uh, I'm uh, against Oregon as a sanctuary state that distinguishes me from, my, from the incumbent. And I uh, look favorably on the USMCA deal, the trade deal with uh, Mexico and Canada. Um, we have to review it as Congress, but I want Congress to be a co-equal of the executive branch. We have a strong president, we need a stronger Congress that is willing to make decisions and not kick the ball, uh, kick the can in front of it. So, um, John Verbeek for CD1, thank you for coming. Brian Halverson, Oregon House District 32. I'd just like to round out my points about campaign finance reform. Uh, like Patrick said, it's, uh, there's, we're seeing a flood of money, not just in the gubernatorial election, but in the state house representatives race as well. And I'm one of the few candidates that, uh, in all of Oregon elections, who don't raise money from corporations or special interest groups. Uh, I rely on small dollar donations from individuals. Uh, and uh, the sad reality in Oregon is it's very difficult to do. Uh, and, uh, but it's not impossible. That's why I'm running. I'm trying to show people that if a 26-year-old can get up here on stage and do it, I hope that uh, a lot of you might take the initiative and look at local elections uh, that maybe you'd be qualified for. So I really think we would be helped with more participation in our government, and I'd really like to encourage you all to get involved, uh, not just as an active voter, but uh, look at planning commissions, look at tourist commissions, look at school boards, like Patrick said. Uh, there's great chances to get involved in your community. Please do. Thank you. Tiffany Mitchell, House District 32. So in my career, I am a social services worker, and that's what I've been doing for the better of part of 10 years. And that's honestly at the very root of why I'm running for this position, because I feel like there are so many people in our communities who are struggling, and a huge part of that is because the people that we often elect to office are people who lack that perspective and have for a long time of what it's like to have to go to work every day and report to someone. And live paycheck to paycheck. And I've had to do those things before, and in many cases, I still do have those experiences. I think for us to be able to solve some of the bigger issues that we have here in Oregon, it's important that we actually start putting a working person back in the office, because it will have a tremendous impact on the policies that end up getting created, because somebody is there who cares and know what it's like on the ground. And if you'd like to know any more about me, please feel free to give me a call. My phone number, if anyone has a pen, is 503-567-8029 or Tiffany Mitchell or TiffanyForOregon.com. Peter Roscoe, Cal uh, County Commission, District 3. You know, I'm just a guy that grew up here. I moved here in 1956. My dad was the commanding officer at Tongue Point Naval Station. He retired in 59. We moved into town a half a block below the college. I still have the same phone number, Fairfax 52774. <laughs> I go around the county, I look around the room, I know people, I know your backstory, I know your side story, I know your, the ins and outs of so many people in this community that I feel I can represent the community because of that. And I think it's an experience that people know. I think it's an experience they trust. And I think it's an experience that matters. So please vote for me. Don't waste my experience. I'm sorry, Trish. I did not hear the question. And I can't tell from the closing statement. You're one minute. Oh. See? Missed it all. 
First of all, thank you very much to the sponsors of this forum. Uh, and thanks to all of you for dedicating an evening to, to, uh, to listen to us. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, I think that, that we need to, to face the issues in the future of Clatsop County all together uh, and listening to all kinds of different voices from the community. I'd like to see our way of doing business be much more uh, connecting uh, the community in conversations uh, and in trying to solve these, these issues together. Um, I believe wholeheartedly in citizen participation in the governing process, that we have all kinds, we have a very diverse population here uh, and we need to hear all of those voices. Uh, and I look forward to your support in the coming election. Thank you. All right, 10-minute break, and thank you so much for this panel.